Welcome to the Cool Tools Show. I'm Mark Frauenfelder, Editor-in-Chief of Cool Tools, a website of tool recommendations written by our readers. You can find us at cool-tools.org. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Kelly, founder of Cool Tools. Hey, Kevin. Hey, it's great to be here. In each episode of the Cool Tools Show, Kevin and I talk to a guest about some of his or her favorite uncommon and uncommonly good tools they think others should know about. Our guest this week is Seth Godin. Seth is a 20-time best-selling author, a blogger, an internet pioneer, a teacher, and a great friend of mine and Kevin's. You can find out more about what he does at seths.blog. And I think Seth has been on the show more than anyone else because we love him more than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, he and he has this great suggestions um, and he kind of knows what we're looking for. So welcome, Seth, again. Well, yeah. Thank you. I I probably during this troubled time have gotten more out of Cool Tools and Recommendo than ever before. And going all the way back to uh, both of your early work in the this space, you were right. You were right all along. And it's just fascinating to see you persistently, generously, and consistently show up and share the stuff. So thank you. Thanks so much. And then same back at you. Um, I, I love your uh, daily email newsletter where you have a, a short kind of uh, thought or parable or example. Um, we'll have a link to that so people can sign up to that. Um, but why don't we start by having you tell us about Rune Software? Yeah, terrible name. Worst name software I could think of. <laughs> it's R-O-O-N. And the thing is, I don't think we pay nearly enough attention to the craftsmanship of software. That if people made cars or hand tools as poorly as they make software, there would be an outcry. But we sort of accept it as a slapdash thing that solves our problem and then we move on. And my experience with Rune is the opposite. This is something that someone who cared put a lot of craft into. And in terms of the use case, if you like to listen to music, not just like on your radio in your car or through a Bluetooth speaker, but really listen to it, the world of music has changed because it's no longer limited to how many CDs you ripped or how many albums you own. All the music is there for anybody who's paying whatever it is, 20 bucks a month, the Cobas or title or whatever. And if all the music is there, but you can't find it, it's as if it's not there at all. And so what Rune does is it makes your own collection beautiful. It shows you the lyrics. It shows you the album uh, and, a, uh, and a review of almost every album you own. But it also is smart enough to know what you've been listening to and what you want to hear next, even if you don't own it. And uh, almost every night I'm busy listening to Rune, and I have discovered all sorts of music that I didn't know I was going to love. So uh, I have a couple of kind of practical things. One is um, this is an app that runs on a phone. I'm assuming no, it also runs on a server that lives on your Mac or your PC or a device that you can buy that looks like a piece of stereo equipment. Uh huh. And, and, and is it, that required? Is is that part of the the? the no, you can you can system? use Rune with headphones and a Mac, and then you're done. 
Okay. And but it's not like an app that lives on your phone alone, like like a Spotify kind of app. Right. That that um, it it plugs into Spotify and Title and the rest. Um, and the app for the phone is just the remote control for wherever you're running the main system. Okay. Um, and then uh, does it also work like a Sonos or other kind of system where it's also you can broadcast music in your house as well to different speakers? Or is this mostly for a private, intimate, one-to-one experience? No, th- you're absolutely correct. So a little known fact, I didn't invent Sonos, but they pre-stole the idea from me. Um, years and years and years ago, I invented a device that would do what Sonos does. And we never uh, took it very far, but the idea was you ought to be able to broadcast your own stuff to stereos and other things around your house. And Sonos has done a pretty good job of doing that, except A, the sound quality isn't as good as it could be, and B, the user interface isn't as good as it could be. And Rune fixes both of those problems in a more open way because you don't need a Rune device. They've licensed their uh, interface technology for the, the player end to lots of companies that make really good quality uh, amps and other uh, devices so that the music comes out sounding the way you want it to. So so w- we had a kind of a life-changing shift in how we use music, which is we, and I'm Maybe I should be chagrined to mention this, but we listen to it on the Amazon Echo, and we use voice interface, and we find that it, it's actually, you know, it's where we go to. We have a Sonos and all the controls, and we can have headphones, but we wind up using Alexa, Play, whatever it is. Right. And so, um, uh, do. Are you going in? Does Rune head in that direction at all? Is 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 it going to accept the voice interface at all, or is it? I mean, tell tell me where that fits into. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, Tim Wu's great article about convenience, I think, is important, which is that Americans will trade almost anything, including yeah. privacy, for convenience. Right, mm-hmm. and um, I think that what Rune is standing for is, if you want to go deeper. If you want the tactile experience and you want it to sound better, then go do that. And if you want it to be convenient, which uh, Amazon's library plus voice control certainly is, then go in that direction. But I don't think it, in this moment anyway, they overlap. Okay. All right. So um, so Rune is a system more than just an app. Would yeah. Would that be fair to say? I think that's a great way to describe it. Okay. Music system and um, and they license the technology to hardware companies. Is that right? So you, you can, if you go to a, a website like musicdirect.com, you can find all the Rune compatible boxes called streaming boxes. And so a streaming box is without using your computer a way to get high quality music streamed straight into your stereo. So mm-hmm. it's connected to the mm-hmm. internet. It's connected to your remote on your phone or your okay. Mac. And it all creates an ecosystem around your music for way less than cable TV costs. And um, are you just like a fully enthusiastic user or do you have a connection to the invention of this? Do I have a Oh, I had nothing to do with th- them or inventing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a committed audiophile and... Uh-huh. I get joy 
out of scaring myself into thinking <laughs> I'm in a jazz club. That it doesn't happen with every song, but uh-huh. every once in a while you'll hear someone cough while you're listening to it. And you look behind you to see who it was. Right, exactly. And I, I never get tired of that. Cool. That sounds good. R-O-O-N. Like you said, bad name, cool technology. There you go. <laughs> okay. So the next up on your list is something that I didn't even know existed. The Firefox App Store. Right. So let me give you an example of, of, a, of a use case here. Um, I am really, I'm not even torn. I'm just divided over Google's presence as an evil monopolist who also makes tools that it's very hard for me to live without. And one of them is Google Sheets. But when you make a new Google Sheet, uh, every single uh, page in that sheet, they add a thousand rows to. So if you've got uh, 40 panels in there, you've made it so big your system's going to crash. And you can't do anything about it because the the act of deleting all of those empty rows over and over again is absurd. But if you go to the App Store for Google Apps, you can find a free tool that just finds all your blank rows and deletes them at the bottom of every single panel. Done. And that introduced me to the idea that if you're using a browser, Firefox has one, Chrome has one, there's an app store for it. And there are all these cool apps, most of which are free, that work instantly, sometimes elegantly, sometimes not, to make your life significantly easier. And the one that I'm talking about today is called Video Speed Controller. And I know Kevin spends a lot of time watching things on YouTube. And what Video Speed Controller does is it puts a tiny little plus minus sign in the top left-hand corner of every video, and you can speed it up. And so if you are watching something where you're trying to get the joke, but they're going too slow, just hit the plus sign three times and it'll run at 1.4 speed. And as somebody who has to work their way through a lot of things in my day, sometimes I want to do it at the speed the creator wanted, but sometimes I want them to just tell me the point. And this tool, uh, instant and free, what a delight. And there's Lots and lots and lots of this stuff in the App Store. and But there's also a Chrome yes. version of this as well. And Correct. Safari. It's not just um, Firefox, right. right? I picked Firefox just because they seem the least evil of the three. I see. <laughs> Between uh, Safari, Chrome, and Firefox. So are you using Firefox as your main browser? Well, there. when I'm talking to people... The way I'm talking to you, I'm supposed to be on Chrome, so I am. Um, so why I you, say, wait, 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 wait. Why are you supposed to be on Chrome when you're talking to us? I don't understand. Because I said that in the show notes. Oh, oh because of the Zencaster. Right. Yeah, so it. there's oh. lots of tools that say works best on Chrome, and I'm you're just right. not interested in being a pioneer and where else it works. Right. Um, but you know, I, I switched to DuckDuckGo a while ago. Um, I use Firefox now and then. I'm trying to figure out how to keep the web open, at least through my own behavior. And um, I know that's not going to change anything, and I still link to Amazon all the time. But every little bit of pushing back against the hegemony can't hurt. Okay. Right. So video speed controller um, 
for your browser and maybe there's equivalents for Chrome or Safari if you- Oh yeah, there is. I use Video Speech Controller on Chrome as well. Okay, that's good. I, I mean, YouTube does have like a native control. You click on that little gear and you can pick speeds uh, in increments of like 0.5. This, but this works everywhere, not just in YouTube. That's cool. And I, I've, I use it every single day and I would happily pay for it. Right. That's a good one. Okay, cool. So um, tell us about your magnetic dovetail guides. Okay, so we could talk about dovetails for a very long time. This is, <laughs> uh, this is one of my pandemic distractions. There are, there's really no reason to make something out of wood unless you enjoy it. And if you are making something out of wood, you can join two pieces of wood together in lots of extremely quick and efficient ways. Or... Mm -hmm you can cut dovetails. And dovetails are um, a combination of something that looks like a triangle with the top cut off as a void and then the reverse of it. And when you alternate them back and forth, you have two pieces of wood that will fit in like a hand in a glove and will stay together for a very long time. And there people are lots would, of versions. Sorry, Kevin, go ahead. Yeah, you, uh, People might recognize this if you've seen a kind of an old-timey drawer. You pull it out and you see that little kind of um, pattern on the edge. That's the dovetail joint on the corner. Right. So one of the things I've been thinking about is this idea of some tools that work through some magic sort of harmonic resonance and some tools that work through an enormous amount of brute force. And if you think about woodworking, you can now buy a computer controlled router that will make a piece of wood into anything you want. Uh, there's video on YouTube, channel after channel of people who are doing miracles with you know $500,000 wood shops. And then there's also people who carve wooden spoons and they're not using extraordinary, expensive, overbuilt tools. They're doing it with a whittling knife. And this balance between the harmonic resonance, for example, of a four uh, watt uh, tube amplifier and a 500 watt digital amplifier or a whittling knife versus a router shows up in dovetails because you can get a router that will make a perfect dovetail every time. And my question is, why would you bother? because the whole point of a dovetail is that you made it by hand. And uh, so one of the other things that goes with that for me is the magic of tools that do the job elegantly, but without overkill. So I have this thing called a fret saw, which is the other thing you need to cut a dovetail. And you can buy a cheap, not very good fret saw on Amazon for 30 bucks, or you can buy the best fret saw in the world for you know, three times that. But every time you touch it, everything you work on will be better, not because the machine is doing the work, but because you're doing the work with the right tool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the, cool the, the fret it. saw, a fret saw, for those who don't know, is um, what looks like maybe a, roughly a hacksaw. It's a saw that has a C-shape or a P-shape handle and a C-shape that holds a very thin blade it's almost thin as a wire and under tension instead of having a rigid blade like your 
saw blade in a cartoon, which is a piece of metal that goes back and forth. It's a very thin wire between two arms that hold it in tension, and that very fine blade can cut very finely. Well said. And this new um, uh, version is kind of, um, well, it's very light because it has a kind of a skeletal structure to it where all the um, unnecessary metal has been cut out, leaving just this kind of um, almost organic looking um, structural metal left. And so it's very lightweight, which makes it easier to use. I have one. That's how I know. I thought it was for fretting when you're nervous, but that's not what it's <laughs> uh, <laughs> Or I thought it was to cut uh, s- slots in guitar necks if you wanted to insert fret wire into it. That's I'm, my guess. That's, that's probably my where guess the word too. comes from, yes. Right, right. And they're, and they're adjustable, and the blades are replaceable, and you can set the tension and all these other kinds of things. So the, the, these are the best of the um, sometimes called coping saws as well. Which is sort of the opposite of fretting. Now that you mention it, <laughs> <laughs> maybe oh, maybe the fret saws you pull towards you and the coping you pull away. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm just making that up. <laughs> I love that. So, um, since we're talking about you, you've been generous and you're giving us five tools, let's move on to the fourth one. Uh, this is a book that uh, Kevin's probably heard of. Tell us about it. Okay, so. I don't do any coaching. I don't do any consulting, but I run into people all the time who think they want to have an impact on the future and they've got some business plan or they've got some idea. And I say, have you read new rules for the new economy? And they give me a blank stare. And the thing is, it's free. And the thing is, it was written by a wizard. How many years ago? 20 plus years ago. And he wrote down all of it. All of it is right there. If all you needed to do is read that book 20 years ago and either invest in what it said or do what it said, because he was right. And I am a big fan of doing the reading and you need to read new rules for the new economy. There are no excuses. Just to make it obvious for those who don't get the joke, that was a book that I wrote um, in, uh, the first one was an article in Wired in the late 90s. And I think the book came out in 98. or at least right before the dot-com bust. Um, so it's short. That's one thing I have for it. It's free. <laughs> you can read it. You can read it online. It's my shortest book. And um, I've often been asked about, you know, like redoing it. It's like, no, I, 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 the examples I used are out of date, but the principles are all absolutely, I stand behind hundred percent. It's still valid. Um, and so they're very simple rules like follow the free, which doesn't mean things are free. It just means you, that it, that they're free at first, things like that, that are still applicable now. And I'm very glad Seth, that you find them useful and I concur. I don't know what to do. I've made it free. (laughs) People can, can read them on the web. Um, there's probably a PDF somewhere of it as well. Um, and, um, the more people to know about it, the happier I am. Well, I would say that as a marketer, yes, that there you go. the best way to get people who could do something with the ideas to read it would be for you to charge $4,000. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, okay, well, 
you've given me a challenge <laughs> and I think I'm going to, um, I'm, I'm going to think about how I could do that. And I'm going to take your $4,000. Um, I'm going to figure out how to make that $4,000. Perfect. I'll blog it when it's ready. Okay. That's such a cool idea. I love it. So Seth, this weekend, I'm doing some painting. I'm, I'm repainting our kitchen. And the next tool you pick sounds like an amazing thing that could have been really helpful to me. It's incredible. It's a magic trick. So, you know, in, in my basement, I have 18 cans of paint. Almost all of them are crusted over and useless because they've been frozen in their old, but you save them because like, what if you need to touch up something mm -hmm. on some wall somewhere? Sure. There's no reason in the world to ever do that again. This little device, 50 bucks, you hold it against the wall and in on your phone, it then shows you three brands of paint and exactly what color mix the thing on the wall is. And if it's a pre-mixed color, it tells you the name of it. Hmm. And wow. it is crazy. And it works. I've done it on 15 walls and it was right every time. Wow. That is That's the coolest thing ever. So yeah, we're looking at something. I mean, it's a little device that is actually smaller than than the phone itself. So also oh, pairs to is the wireless? Yes. It's like a Bluetooth thing. Okay. So it pairs to the phone. And it's the little device that actually you put against the wall, not your yeah. phone. And the phone is just a screen for the device. Correct. Okay. Wow. So um, there are alternatives, but is this sort of like the best or just maybe the best? I saw that there were eight, and this was the one that had the right mix of cheap and okay. reviews. Uh -huh. So again, you know, some tools you don't want to care about. They just have to be good enough. This was right. one of those. Right. So this is a tangential rant, but I have to tell you that if you want to have an old world uh, skill that is much harder to do than you think, try mixing colors by hand. Try mm -hmm. to try to get an exact <laughs> color mm. by taking whatever colors you want to start with and make it there. It is so hard to do. Um, and I've been trying to learn how to do it. And even with, um, you know, getting tutorials and stuff, it's still very hard to do. So having a device that does it, going back to Seth's talk about <laughs> dovetails versus industrial, you want to go with the industrial version in this case. Particularly since the people you live with will not give you any prizes for doing it the old-fashioned <laughs> yeah, way. For missing it by a shade. Exactly. That's such a cool one. Um, so your book, The Practice, just came at the right time for me when I am I kind of rediscovering doing my art that I, I used to do a lot of book illustrations and stuff and set it aside and am getting back interested in that and interested in kind of de developing that, that side of me again. And your book, The Practice, is about creativity. Can you talk a little bit about who the book is for and, and what the message is? So there are two kinds of jobs, jobs where you get told what to do, where you're a cog in the system and where you're going to be replaced by some combination of GPT-3, artificial intelligence, and <laughs> someone cheaper than you. Or there's a job where you are challenged to do human work of being creative to solve an interesting problem. And we've been brainwashed from an early age, indoctrinated to believe that the first kind of job 
is blameless and on the path because the second kind of job feels fraught because you have to be on the hook to say, I'm going to uh, lead or create something where nothing was before. And that's what I call creative work. It has nothing to do with art, though I love your art and your ginger jars right over there. I'm looking at it right now. Um, it has to do with the act of making art in whatever form, whether it's software design or um, figuring out a way to do crowd control. They're all creative problems. And the challenge that we have, having grown up in an industrialized world, is industrialists care about, is it cheap? Is it fast? And does it meet spec? And none of those things help us make better art. So, you know, one of the concerns people have about doing creative work for a very long time was that they felt that it wasn't going to pay, that it wasn't going to be valued, that they couldn't make their living doing it. And so you were told not to think about being a cartoonist because how are you going to survive? Um, do you feel that that's changing? Or has that was that always an illusion uh, and not really true? So in this book, I intentionally divorce the entire thing from will you get paid? Because that's a different problem. And I have written extensively about how to get paid by doing things that some people do as a hobby, that it is possible to make a fine living doing lots and lots of things that many people would do for free if you're willing to show up as a professional. But what it means to show up as a professional is that you are making a promise to the marketplace and you are not allowed to simply do the work for you. You might get lucky and the work you do for you might work in the marketplace, but what it means to, to say to somebody, pay me to make this, is not that you are authentic, but that you are consistent, that you are a version of you that we want right here, right now. And you know, between uh, Patreon and Kickstarter, between the thousand true fans and the whole idea of smallest viable audiences where you can thrive with small enough overhead by doing remarkable work, I think there's more artists getting paid today than in any time in human history. But that book is a different book, which is how to make your art pay. Right now, I'm just trying to say how to stop uh, arguing with yourself about being an imposter, how to trust yourself, how to find your voice so that you can pick your genre and do creative work. Because if you can't do that part, you don't even get a chance to do the second part. Can you talk a little bit about writer's block and how you d don't believe that it exists? It doesn't exist, whether I believe in it or not. <laughs> uh, if if you do an engram search in Google, which has you know cataloged every book of the last 150 years, what you can see is that the phrase writer's block did not appear in prose until the 1920s and 30s. We invented it because of the great American novel and Ernest Hemingway. It, 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 it leads all the way back to uh, Percy Shelley, Mary Shelley's failure of a husband, um, who said that if you're not touched by the muse, you have no right being a poet. And it gave 
lots of people a chance to let themselves off the hook. I can't do this creative work. I'm blocked. Well, actually, what you're saying when you say that is, I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of my bad writing. So therefore, I will do no writing. Because if you do enough bad writing, if you do enough bad anything, some good stuff is going to slip through. If you want to be a great photographer, it helps to take a thousand bad photos. Make take the thousand worst photos you can think of, and now you're on your way to being a photographer. No one gets photography block, and <laughs> nobody gets writer's block. You're just afraid of bad writing. Right, that's my explanation for what we perceive as sort of a renaissance in video and TV, is because we're suddenly allowed to have really really bad video in you know miles and miles of bad video whereas before with the networks they could never allow really bad video so therefore there was nothing great made yep as soon as you have everybody making video there's going to be tons of bad stuff which allows the really great stuff to happen at the same time so yeah make lots of it um well yeah so i also been reading um your your new book, Seth, and it's and I find that it's a quick read, really great. Um, lots of little examples about, as you say, how to make it, how to make this a practice. And you emphasize that it is a practice. That that's what it is. It's it's not the muses. It's not just talent. It's a practice. It's a it's a discipline. It's something that you can get better at, and everybody can get better at it. And it's. A particularly in troubling times, it's something to rely on. Yeah. Because you're not dependent on external validation. Right. You're chopping the wood, you're carrying the water, right. you are getting better at it. The way you've gotten better at every single thing in your life that you're proud of, right. you can just do it on purpose. Right. Yeah, that kind of deliberate practice. Uh, and I think that it's a, that's a great message. Um, it's a great little book. Um, it should if you have any inclinations about trying to make that part of yourself better, this, this will help you. And and we'll have a link, um, seth.blog slash the practice. And you can find out more information. You can watch some videos of people who, uh, have found the book valuable, uh, a synopsis, everything that you need to know about this wonderful new book, Seth, I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast with us. You're always so much fun to talk to. Everything you say is surprising and entertaining. So um, I, I, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Well, I figure uh, spending 40 minutes a year on your podcast makes up for you guys giving me 400 hours a year of joy. So we're even oh. now. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah, we really enjoyed your tool picks as well. I'm looking forward to... Um, seeing more of them sometime in the future. Um, uh, and we hope that you have a great year coming up. All right. Big hugs to everybody. Thank you both. Hey, everybody. It's your host, Mark. And I wanted to thank you for listening to the Cool Tools show. And I also wanted to let you know that we've got a lot more going on at Cool Tools than just this podcast. We also have the Cool Tools website, which has a new tool review every day. And you can get there by going to cool-tools.org. We also have four different newsletters that you can subscribe to, and you can subscribe to those from the Cool Tools page. We have this podcast that you're listening to right now, 
We also have a YouTube channel where we review tools. Check that YouTube channel out by going to youtube.com slash cool tools. And one of the things I'd like to ask you is if you're really enjoying everything that we are producing, go to our Patreon page and support us there. You can sign up and give us as little as $1 a month, and that would mean a lot to us. The money that we get from Patreon goes towards a lot of things. We transcribe our podcast interviews so that you can read them online. We pay for editing of our podcasts and for our videos. We pay our contributors. We have video production costs. We have equipment costs. We have hosting costs. And the money you give us through Patreon also goes to support Cool Tools Lab. Anything you give is a huge help. And one of the things that we do is if you are a contributor to Patreon, we'll give you a shout out on air. And so I have a few people here to thank this week. Mark Lyonage, Micah Gates, Monty Zukowski, Patrick James McNally, Robert Cohen, Scott, Spence Lloyd, Steve Avery, Steve Golden, Steve Levine, Tom Hess, William Phillips, Aaron Nipper, Darab Patel, Glenn Mercer, Jay Walker, Jeff Bonner, Ryan Jarrell, Pat Daly, Patrick Kennedy, Troy Wallet, Mike Camerate, Nicole Harkin, Tim Youssef, Scott Reed. Thanks all of you for supporting Cool Tools. And if you would like to have a shout out, go over to the Patreon page and sign up. And thanks for listening to the Cool Tools podcast. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.